the water's fine, homie. Jump into the deep end. So it you will reap it. We're talking how to start it, how to grow it, how to keep it. Take a deep breath. You are now rocking with Founder Secrets. Victor, welcome to Founder Secrets. Wow. Hey, Victor, choose a long time, amazing friend and appreciate him so much. And I also think he has such an interesting journey of entrepreneurship and where he got today owning pharmacies and multiple other businesses. And so I want to welcome you to the pod and ask, what was your first entrepreneurial endeavor that you can remember? Um, well, entrepreneurial endeavor, that's a, a different, I think. I mean, it was definitely selling candy in the back of a bus on the ride to school. I was like, the first one picked up and then you know, I had some extra pocket money. So I would buy like, you know, jars of whatever it was, sour warheads or, you know, those type of candies and sell them for like a quarter a piece. So how did that start? Like you were one day going to school in a bus and you were like, you know, I would make this bus better and more profitable. <laughs> warheads. <laughs> I think with anything, it's it started with like, you know, just a need, right? Or it was like, I wanted candy. And, you know, it was like, whatever, they sell it for like a piece for 15 cents, right? Or something like 25 cents. And then I was just like, what if I just buy the whole jar? It's like, what's the jar price? You know, like a steel container. And then it was like significantly cheaper. And I was like, oh, well, I, you know, who doesn't want cheaper candy? And then I just had all this candy i was like oh well you know i just load my bag up and then one day it's like oh someone it was like oh can i have a piece can i have a piece and you know your kids right like of course naturally yeah sure you're my buddy you have a piece and then it was just like oh well other people started asking me i'm like wait you're not really my friend it's gonna cost you a bit so that's just <laughs> how it started kicked off and then like you know then the bus was just it was buying candy on the bus load more candy in my bag <laughs> you see like all kids want candy but no, you were the only one that had that, you know, I guess idea and drive to start it. Uh, where, where do you think that came from? Like, have you always had that? I'm not sure. I mean, I was pretty young, probably like sixth grade or something when that happened. I think it was just, you know, just seeing an opportunity. And like I said, you know, your friends, you're willing to hook up, right? But, you know, people who don't sit around you're like four or five rows away, like... <laughs> You know, they got to, you can't hook up everyone, right? I love it. Okay. So then what was the first, would you say more like official business that, that you started after that? Yeah, I guess company wise, I started a company when I was you know, like 19 or 20 or something. And that was really, again, out of necessity because I had some motor vehicle incidents, which raised my insurance significantly. So as like a 19 year old, my car insurance was like $8,000 a year, which is very tough to afford. And so I found out that if I started a company and had commercial insurance, it was like, I don't know, it was like 20% of the cost or less. So that's how it started with the first company. And then the actual business, it's kind of tough because it was a mix between Wait, how did you get the insurance for 20% of the cost? What? So by registering company, I could then have commercial insurance in New Jersey, oh. but it wasn't personal. Like I, so I then sold the car to my company and then my company had commercial insurance and I got commercial X plates. So they look like a normal motor vehicle plate, but 
it was under the company, so it was significantly less expensive. That's a great hack. I don't know if it's a hack anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> other people caught on. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that was that was the first company. Yeah, generating revenue-wise, significant revenue. I'd say probably. I don't know. I, I was involved in some MLMs, you know, as a kid, and then what's MLM? Multi-level marketing, like, you know. Yeah. Oh, dude. Actually, wait, a Taylor, were you ever involved in this? No, I mean I'm familiar with them. Like Avon and the knives and all that. Yeah, exactly. The vitamins, the like Market America, they had like, you know, this. Dude, I, I got roped into one of these meetings. I went and, and the guy sat me down and I was watching like, oh, this is how you're going to make money. And I comes and takes a hundred dollar bill and like burns it in front what? of the, and he literally burns a hundred dollar bill in front of us. So he's like, it's a hundred dollars. I don't even care about a hundred dollars. Like you got to make millions of dollars for this. This is nothing. I was like, oh my God, this guy just burned a hundred dollar bill in front of us. It was like, oh, those people are so good. It's it like pr those presentations. It, it just like, was like, I got to get into this. Fortunately, a few of my friend, older friends, like a teacher was like, had to have an intervention. It's like, look, man, I almost lost my family and my money because of this. Like you really can't get into it. So I got really close to the edge, but hey, all right. So what was your MLM experience? <laughs> Lighting thousand dollars. so Yeah. It was like, you know, again, as a kid, like I don't know, my mom joined something and was like, it was market America, I think was what it was called. And they have like vitamins and this and that. And then there was like something else with like virtual online malls and stuff. And you would get basically, it's like an affiliate program, right? They would buy something from like huh. Sharper Image and then you'd get a referral and then they would call it your online presence. It's actually what, it wasn't even called online presence at that time. It was like your online mall. That's what they called it. It was like your mall and they're buying stuff from, you know, whatever it was big back then. So, so you were really early to the metaverse. Sure. <laughs> Sure. That's yeah. Yeah. I was, just, yeah, I was, uh, yeah. So then how did it go? Like, did you, yeah. Did, did... You know, like, like most MLMs is, you know, starts off very gung ho. And then, you know, I was able to recoup my costs, my startup costs and make some money, That's good. but ultimately it was just, you know, you figure out that it turns into a hiring slash recruiting gig and you're just constantly <laughs> like, you gotta do these presentations and you gotta do this big show. And then, then it's like, oh, well then like three, four people down under me haven't really made money. And it's like, oh yeah, and, you know, doesn't feel so good. So, so then how, how did you get in the pharmacy business? Pharmacy business was actually a family business. My father was a pharmacist and started the business in like 85, but like all, I wouldn't say like all, oftentimes working with family is very you know, difficult and we had different thoughts on how things should be done. And so, you know, I never really worked with him until he passed and I took over the business. So I was, can you talk a little more about that? Cause you know, actually I was just at a wedding where the couple also works mm -hmm. together and they're like, Oh my God, we love working together. It's so great. It's perfect. And I know another couple that have a startup, raise money, been at it for years and they, seem to be together and work together and i think i can't think of a worse plan 
uh, well, I, I couldn't a couple, imagine. Or any of my family, honestly. Like, even right. my dad had a business. Like, I was like, I thought it would work together. But the more we worked together, the more I realized that that was, like, very not enjoyable for me. <laughs> I'm wondering, like, what are your thoughts on, like, working? Yeah, what made it tough for you to not work uh, in, uh, with the family? I think it was just being young and having a very different understanding of the world where, you know, you think you know the moves, you think you know how to run shit and do things. And, and it takes some understanding of like how the world works and um, relationships, things that, you know, you can't always make the, what feels good and the brash move and show someone. Sometimes you have to think about what the consequences of those actions and, you know, talks and relationships, what the consequences are of those actions. So I think, you know, in my culture, we don't really talk about those things. You just sort of learn. It was like, because I remember specifically, like I would call and then no one would pick up the phone like before like answering, I don't want to say before answering machines, but it would ring for like 10, 15 times and someone would pick up. I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so. And then, you know, this happened and then you know, they didn't come to work, this and that. And I was like, we just fire them, right? <laughs> it's like, fire them, find someone else. Not, uh, you know, now I realize that's not exactly how, how things go. <laughs> you just snap your fingers and you got a you know, someone replaced there. So. so did you all work together until he passed or, or you did not work together until no, after he passed? No, we didn't work at all. We did not work together at all. I was on my own course, you know. I did some telephone sales, call center, was a real estate agent, the heavy lift, heavy machinery mechanic. And then when he passed, you know, someone needed to take care of the estate, which was me. I'm a only child. So at that point, hopped in and then you know, I've been in ever since. Was it, was it like under, were, were you expecting that? Were, were you like, okay, this is my plan? Or was it all kind of sprung upon you? How, how did you feel about taking over the business? Uh, mixed emotions. So his passing was pretty sudden. It was sudden, but not surprising because I would say he more self, more or less worked himself into the grave. And so, you know, I had an idea about how the business worked and whatnot, having, you know, spent some time in there growing up, you know, up until I was like, whatever, 10 cleaning shelves, checking in orders, stuff like that. I had a basic understanding. So it probably wasn't what I wanted or yeah, it probably wasn't what I wanted, but I had sort of expectations of what I was getting into, like understanding. You mentioned working yourself into the grave. And I think about this quite a bit because I can work a lot and enjoy it and forget about everything else. But then I could also go to the other extreme where I don't work enough and feel like, I am lazy or not, you know, helping out the, our employees and the, taking advantage of our opportunity and kind of missing out, if you will, on things. Like, where, how do you strike that balance between working yourself to the grave and, or, you know, not yeah, working at all? I think for me, I have a, a good propensity to not work too hard. I find it very easy to cruise at times. I don't know if it's an aversion from, you know, seeing what my father did, but... I guess the balance that I look for now, especially with a younger family is uh, first and foremost, do I feel 
good about you know the interactions with my children do i feel like i've brought value and taught them and fulfilling their needs if that's a yes then you know i look at business and it's like do my staff the people i work with do they have what they need for success and they you know keep moving forward and then you know how i'm feeling some weeks are just you feel kind of blah and then some weeks you feel like all right i'm gonna crush it and of course bottom line <laughs> if the, yeah if you're in the red helps. it's you know pretty pretty clear indication but i like to lead with family and then see how everyone else is doing and making sure we're not losing money that's cool how is the business so it's retail pharmacies is that right is there like a delivery component is there like is any of the business digital how how has the business kind of evolved maybe since you took it over were there were there changes that you put in place yeah because i assume it's in a lot of flux yeah the industry yeah. Changing the industry definitely changes a lot it changes very quickly even from uh last year to now there's been a lot of changes so yeah i guess part of it i mean it's all retail we basically our business my business is a, a commodity where the drug is the drug it's the same drug you're going to get anywhere else and it basically costs the patient the same anywhere else they go so you got insurance you go to cvs you come to my place costs you the same you don't really care right so where we have to have we set ourselves apart our advantage is we're able to work with patients a little bit more maybe help them out where we can deliver faster better service We'll call doctors if we can save them some money. We'll call doctors if we can get them better therapy. We'll call insurance companies and advocate on their behalf. So these are all things that where the what, what the insurances pay, what I should say is it's changed over time. So we've added these different components. And more recently, in the last six months, the online part of it, online presence actually is making probably is moving the needle the most. So we have to provide better service, faster service. And we're, I guess, improving our funnel with the online presence, which I was actually very surprised about. You know, even though we get maybe 10 clicks, but something with just having content on there and just spread across different platforms. Like, you know, like I never thought I'd be advertising on TikTok. I'm serious. And I'm advertising on TikTok. Can can you expand on that? What kind of ads or yeah, what are you seeing on it's, TikTok? All the, there's like real basic videos of like, hey, you know, we have some crystals or you know, we have a new, you know, we have a delivery service, we have whatever it may be, you know, a product of the week. It's like you know, like there's like a keto one thousand solution, right? Not a solution. It's basically like salt, magnesium, potassium. I think of it as powdered Gatorade, but instead of having a lot of salt, it has a lot of potassium. So. You know, we had tried to appeal to health people and say, hey, it's kind of like Gatorade and maybe more for me and other folks of our likenesses. It's a great hangover <laughs> remedy where, you know, <laughs> you have some of this before you go to sleep. And I mean, it's significantly better than Gatorade, like not even close. It's got like 20 times the amount of electrolytes. Wait, does it work? Uh, I believe it works. The keto, the keto 1000. 1, yeah, what is it called? It's like all of our listeners are going to buy keto 1000. <laughs> Go to friendlypharmacy.com. Uh, friendlypharmacy.jc.com. Uh, yes. Ah, interesting. 
What is that? What's the dot? Oh, you know what? I might be wrong. It might be just friendlypharmacyjc.com. Okay. Yeah, there it is. Friendlypharmacyjc.com. I found it. Okay. Friendly Pharmacy Jersey yeah, there's what a lot JC of pharmacies for, yeah. And, you know, bodegas. They're just owned by different people in different places. <laughs> How does the, you know, you touched on this a little bit about the competition between like you and let's say CVS or, or someone like that. Is it purely a service? You said it was kind of a commodity. It, it's the same if I buy this drug here at CVS. Is it purely service? Do they form a relationship with the pharmacists? Like how does it kind of work? How, how does... Like if you want to increase revenue, you want to get more customers, you know, if you're running TikTok ads, when they come in, do they, they're already getting prescriptions every month? Like what is kind of an average customer yeah, or a good customer look exactly like? exactly what it is, relationship, you know, building relationships. And I mean, it's probably not the best thing to say, but although I'm in the pharmacy business, I'm not a big proponent of medication. I feel that we're often over-prescribed, over-medicated, and if there's a way to resolve, you know, a health issue without medication, that would be ideal, but it takes time, right? It takes time and having those relationships and some patients appreciate that, you know, you care that you don't want them to be taking maybe a statin for the rest of their life. And you know, there's another portion that just want to take a statin. It'd be good. <laughs> Doctor said take a statin, I take a statin. But yeah relationships and I think care, right? Caring about your patients. Negative. I have been you prescribed a stand though. Dude, I have a statin right now sitting on the bathroom counter. I'm contemplating whether to take it or not. What is a statin? It's for lowering your cholesterol. So you have another, some other businesses besides the pharmacy they've started over the years with different partners. And I wanted to ask you more on that choosing. We talk about family being a partner, but what about other friends of partners or how have you chosen a partner in the past? How has that changed over time? You know, how yeah. would you do it differently in the future? That's a, that's kind what of a tough question because although I work with some people and you know what, now that you mention it, uh, yeah, the sandwich shop, I did have a an equity business partner, but that was probably the <clears throat> only business that I had a equity business partner. And that was sort of organic where we were friends first. And uh, you know, I've told this story in the past where that was sort of a passion or a hobby. I would say it's a hobby that got out of control. And you know, our short story was I liked the food a lot. I approached the owners at the time. I was like, hey, you guys make a really good product. You want to you know, expand this a bit. You handle the food. I'll handle the business. And then one day they called me in to have a meeting. And they're like, we're getting divorced. And we want to sell uh, the shop. And I was like, no, I'm, I can't buy it. I have too much stuff going on. And tried to shop it for them to some friends and whatnot. And then a couple of buddies were like, oh, yeah, you know, let's do this. It's going to be great. In the end, it was a lot of work. And for the hours I was putting into the sandwich shop, I could have probably ran four pharmacies. Yes. Yeah. Really? I was, I was there like a lot. We closed at like 10. You know, I'd, I'd be there like 12, 16 hours a day. It was rough. And I didn't really like it. And my dreams were, I'm going to have this place. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to make this awesome food, right? Everyone's going to smile and like glow after they eat this food. They're going to give me high fives. I'm going to be like, yeah. It was, had like six seats, right? 
never got to see anyone eat it and be like, oh, that was amazing, right? Maybe it happened like once a month. And so the only way we knew we we're doing a good job is we got more orders. People would come in and buy more. And so it was like highly unfulfilling. <laughs> and in the end, yeah. Wait, so, yeah, so, so, wait, so, so you start, a husband and wife ran it. You came in as a partner. The husband and wife said, we're getting a divorce. So then you bought uh, them out and what, then what brought in new partners. Is that the I way approached them to, you know, expand the business. They were, then they called me and said, we're getting a divorce. Do you want to buy the shop? And I was like, no. So I tried to help them sell it and I shopped it to a couple people and they were like, oh, this sounds great. Let's do it together. And then I was like, oh, I don't like, I got some other things happening. There's like a whole bunch of stuff that I don't want to do. And then they're like, okay, you don't have to do those things. So three of us, we went in and we bought the shop and they were both friends. So yeah, that's how that first partnership started. And yeah, quite unlikely that I'll be partners with them again. It was definitely a strain on the friendship as well. Although one of them I'm still pretty good with. So yeah, I mean, other than that, I have not really had partners. I've basically just been, you know, have all the equity and there's a couple of people that I work with, maybe more like affiliates, they help bring traffic to the pharmacies and whatnot, but I actually am revisiting this. So the question is tough because I feel like with the right partner, it can be huge, right? They say, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. And I'm like, I think I've had enough of this solo journey. I think I'm ready for a partner. So if you guys have suggestions on what you think makes a good partner or how you pick a good partner, I'm all yours. You know, I've thought a lot about this. I had similar to you, I had two partners in my first business. They were high school friends and they were 10 years older than me. So they were very close friends and I was pretty close to one of them. But it was always the two of them versus me. I always got ganged up on and we were all equal partners third. And then my second company, I was 50-50 partners with the guy. And I just, I couldn't, I don't know. It, it, like we didn't see eye to eye. I, ended, I eventually ended up buying him out and then I ran the business the rest of the time. And then here, you know, in Signal Insights, I have two partners and we have a bunch of investors. So it's very, very different how it's structured but I much prefer my current structure where there's kind of clear command, like who runs what, who does what. I have respect for my partners. Not that I didn't in my prior business, but I we, we ask this question a lot because I think partnerships is the least talked about mm. thing in business because no one wants to talk about it because it's very hard to talk about. And also, you know, it feels the most consequential to your point, you know, because doing something alone, some people can do it. I, I was basically alone in my last business after I bought out my partner. But seeing what a great partnership is like now, I never want to do it alone again. It's to me, it's, I, I love it. I much prefer, yeah, I much prefer a great partnership, but I almost feel lucky that I got well, into this partnership. That's good to hear. I don't know. It's good to hear. That's why we asked the question. Uh, you know, both sides. I, yeah. I, what about you, Father? I agree. I agree. I think I started my first business, like online survey, survey monkey competitor. And I did that alone and it was very alone. And uh, part of the reason it didn't succeed, I think, is because I just ran out of energy by myself. Whereas my next business with Matt, we were very complimentary, right? He was a pharmacist actually, and I was a tech guy and we had very complimentary skill sets. 
which made the business work with very little money, which ended up uh, being profitable in a good business. I think long term, we ended up having different goals long term. I want to start a health insurance company in Detroit. And in that business, I think what I took is my co-founder and I actually don't have as many complementary skills. I think we overlap on a lot of skills, which people would say is bad. But I think we align more on the long-term vision, which I think now, you know, is really even more important if this is going to be a long-term thing. That piece is more important than complementary skills because we can always hire for whatever skills we feel we're missing. Now that we have some capital. So a little different situation when you have capital versus when when you have to do everything yourself. <laughs> but I'm trying some side projects and, and things that I don't have a partner in. So if anything, I'm like going kind of the other way and experimenting again on what it's like to be more of a solo founder. Interesting. So. What advice would you have for someone who's just getting started out in entrepreneurship? And maybe they're the equivalent of that of you as the kid when you were, you know, selling the candy. And maybe they did that in high school, and now they're in college or they're coming out of college, and they're thinking about, you know, they want to be an entrepreneur, but they don't know what to do. They don't have a lot of resources. Maybe they're hungry and smart. Like, what advice would you have for someone like that to, yeah, to kind of get started in, in entrepreneurship? Generic, but um, I would say gain knowledge and experience as aggressively possible. Um, so, you know, whether that's working, volunteering, you know, one absorbs knowledge to just really turn it up, really wick it up. Cause you know, now with a couple kids and more responsibilities, I find myself like, okay, like how can I eke out 30 extra minutes? What does that 30 extra minutes cost me? And what am I going to do with that? Mm -hmm. Whereas when I was 21, I was just like, okay, <laughs> I was like, yeah, three hours. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, if, you know, if I started so much uh, time, you know, gaining knowledge and experience, then even just like an hour a day <laughs> would have compounded to a, a very different place, but or knowledge base, at least, who knows? Maybe. Huh. Is, is that the advice that you would give to your younger yeah, self? Absolutely. Like, aggressively gain the knowledge, gain knowledge experience? experience as aggressively as possible. Well, I would say as aggressively as possible, but. Yeah, aggressively is like an interesting kind of yeah, word. Guess, <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? Aggressively within like reason, right? But active, maybe active is the better way to describe it. Instead of just like, oh, well, you know, something's going to come to me. Maybe I'll learn something here, right? Or like you do something out of need. So I learned a lot from my first job. My second jobs because you know I needed an income, but being proactive, had I, for instance, I was a mechanic as my like second job. If I was more proactive in learning about you know vehicles, vehicle systems, and other things related to what I was doing, if I just spent like an extra twenty or thirty minutes a day, I would have pushed that part of my career or at that time that career path much faster, significantly faster. Which I was then you know when I worked on heavy machinery. I could have applied some of it and that probably would have escalated also my pay grade and whatnot. So, you know, just a little bit, you know, actively going after knowledge and experience, uh, I think really, really has it been the end. Just takes you to a different place. That's really great advice. I also, as a kid, would try to gain knowledge in lump sum. So I would like, well, I want to learn Photoshop. And so I would like spend, to your point, when you were young, have so many time, like I spend a day, four or five hours, just like reading and learning everything about Photoshop, but you only get so far, even in a session of 
five hours of learning Photoshop. You can only get so far. And then the next day I'll be like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Let's uh, do something else. And I do think now learning has, I've learned that it's better to have, so like what I would do now, what I do now, actually I'm trying to learn music, a musical instrument. And what I try to do is like put like 15 minutes or 30 minutes on my calendar every day at a certain time. And that doing 15 minutes every day, even though I might miss some days, the fact that there's that routine built in actually gets me so much further and my brain has time to take in the knowledge over days and weeks and months versus how I used to try to gain knowledge in, in like one huge, yeah, you know, I have to agree. I would definitely didn't work way. very well. <laughs> Lots of interest for a short amount of time. How about you, Taylor? How did you get like, how do you gain knowledge? Taylor reads a ton. Yeah, I read. Also, I Ooh. like building little projects. So today or Friday, I built like we, we use this tool called grain, grain.com, and it records all my meetings and the sales meetings of my team. So they, so it automatically records all their zoom meetings, team meetings, everything. And they rolled out this transcript functionality, which is kind of cool. So it, it, it'll transcribe all the meetings. And then they combine that with an AI summary. So it'll basically summarize all your meetings in one paragraph. And it says who spoke and what did they say? And what was kind of the action items? What were the action items? So my project was to connect that into our CRM. So now automatically, as soon as the meeting ends, it pumps that summary into our CRM. Which doesn't sound, and I didn't do this for months, but it doesn't sound all that valuable. And now I'm one business day in, it's Monday when we record this. And I already, I'm like, why didn't I do this six months ago? Because it's yeah. so cool. Because I don't remember all the meetings. We have so many sales meetings. I don't remember them all. And so to be able to see the summary and there's a link to like click and watch it, but I don't need to watch it. I just need a summary, the refresh. What did I promise that guy? What did she say? What? And I love little projects like that. Like I get super excited by those little four hour things that I get to go and build them. I think that and then they're immediately that useful. That's really fun to me. Yeah. It competes in this space that there's like thousand dollar oh, competitors awesome. and then there's grain at $29 a month. It's amazing. And it's unlimited usage. I wish I, could, I should be an Seriously. affiliate for them. I should be MLM for, for grain. Because I, MLM. I think it's just sales of art. It doesn't have to have layers of people underneath you. <laughs> just marketing. Yeah, there's no multi-level, I guess. Just any affiliate. last last thoughts or any words of advice? Um, any any plugs you want yeah, to share? Yeah, we're doing plugs. Uh, and nothing really comes to mind, but I think green was good for. I mean, I got a nice takeaway. <laughs> FriendlyPharmacyJC.com, guys, get that Keto One Thousand <laughs> product of the week. Hydration pack. I love it. I'm going to buy that right to cool. this. Thanks, love. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks for coming on, Victor. Care, Good to see you, buddy. Thank you for rocking with the homies. Taylor, trusty, and Flavio. Seize the day, own it. Until next time. Hold it down, hold it down.